you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. The Pacific in the early 1940s was a vast chessboard of coral islands, atolls, and azure waters, upon which two formidable opponents, the United States and the Japanese Empire, positioned their pieces in a high-stakes game of war and strategy. World War II had turned the tranquility of this oceanic paradise into an unforgiving theater of conflict, where great battleships roamed like leviathans and the skies teemed with roaring aircraft. Among the myriad clashes and battles that occurred in these waters, None resonated with the tenacity of the human spirit quite like the Battle of Cape Esperance. As the Japanese sun rose dominantly in the Pacific, casting long, threatening shadows over Allied interests, the U.S. forces prepared to draw a line in the sand, or, more appropriately, in the surf. Guadalcanal and the Solomon Islands became the stage for a crucial confrontation, the first significant offensive against Japanese expansion. Here, young men from different corners of the world found themselves entrenched in a harsh and unforgiving jungle, their hopes anchored on a decisive victory at sea. The tension was palpable, like the static air before a thunderstorm, as the Allied and Japanese naval forces took their positions near Cape Esperance. Their respective commanders, haunted by the specter of failure and driven by the necessity of victory, made strategic decisions that would shape not only the outcome of this battle, but the entire Pacific campaign. Our story commences amidst this high drama, unfolding a tale of courage, confusion, and conflict, where ghostly ships advanced in the dead of night, and the fog of war blurred the line between friend and foe. The Battle of Cape Esperance is more than just a clash of naval titans, it is a testament to the resilience of the human spirit in the face of overwhelming odds, a story of monumental sacrifices, hard-won victory, and profound lessons learned amidst the deafening roar of cannons and the silent determination of men. Chapter 1. Prelude to Battle By the dawn of the 1940s, Japan had emerged as an ominous force in the Pacific, its empire expanding with a voracious appetite that stirred unease among the Allied nations. Akin to the rise of their emblematic sun, the Japanese Empire's influence extended far and wide its military might touching every corner of the vast Pacific Ocean. At the helm of this formidable expansion stood Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto, a man of distinctive intelligence and strategic prowess. Yamamoto was the mastermind behind Japan's Pacific strategy, his leadership forged by a combination of brilliant intuition and steadfast resolve. This, coupled with his profound understanding of naval warfare, made him a force to be reckoned with on the high seas. As the months unfolded, Yamamoto's vision began to materialize. From the invasion of Manchuria to the strike on Pearl Harbor, 
the Japanese naval and ground forces cut a swath across the Pacific, seizing territories with a rapidity that left the Allies reeling. Their pace was as relentless as the ocean tides, and each victory further bolstered the belief in their invincibility. Yamamoto's fleet, with its proud battleships and aircraft carriers, cast a formidable silhouette against the setting sun. Every ship bore the weight of the Empire's ambition, each vessel a cog in the grand machinery of the Pacific Offensive. They seemed unstoppable, like a typhoon propelled by the spirit of the samurai. Yet, thousands of miles away, a counterforce was gathering momentum. The United States, having suffered a significant blow at Pearl Harbor, was gearing up to challenge the advancing Japanese forces. As the American determination hardened like steel in a forge, their focus zeroed in on one strategic point in the vast Pacific theater, the island of Guadalcanal. The stage was gradually being set for an epic showdown, a confrontation that would test the resolve of these two naval powerhouses. Amid the broader strokes of war, intricate plots of courage, cunning, and calamity were being etched, destined to culminate in the Battle of Cape Esperance. Unbeknownst to the men aboard the ships of both sides, their lives were about to become interwoven in a narrative that would forever be remembered in the annals of naval warfare. Halfway across the world, in a quiet office nestled in the heart of Washington, D.C., U.S. Admiral Ernest King studied the map spread across his desk. His gaze was fixed on a small dot in the South Pacific, Guadalcanal. The island's insignificance in global geography was starkly contrasted by its strategic importance in the theater of war. Guadalcanal was home to a nearly completed Japanese airstrip, a development that threatened to tip the balance of power in favor of the Japanese if left unchecked. Admiral King, a seasoned veteran with a grim determination etched into his furrowed brows, was well aware of the stakes. This was the United States' opportunity to seize the initiative. It was a chance to halt the relentless march of the rising sun, to challenge their adversaries' growing dominance head-on. As plans for an offensive took shape, thousands of American Marines trained rigorously, their daily routines punctuated by the blare of bugles and the relentless rhythm of marching boots. The jungle warfare that awaited them was a far cry from the training grounds, and their preparation was nothing short of grueling. Sweat-soaked shirts, muddied boots, and the metallic taste of fatigue became their daily companions. Once on Guadalcanal, these men would find themselves in an alien world. A dense, green jungle sprawling across hilly terrains, inhabited by creatures unseen and unheard of. Underneath the verdant canopy, the tropical heat lay thick and heavy, a blanket of humidity that sapped the strength from the uninitiated. Yet, the Marines steeled themselves for this new reality. They understood that the battle wouldn't just be against the Japanese. They were also at war with the unforgiving terrain, the unfamiliar climate, and their own creeping doubts. In the midst of this looming crisis, the Marines found a leader in Major General Alexander Vandegrift. A man of stern demeanor but undeniable charisma, Vandegrift became the pillar around which the Marines rallied. His presence was a constant reminder that they were not alone, that each hardship they endured, each sacrifice they made, was a step toward victory. As the shadow of conflict hung over Guadalcanal, 
the American forces braced for their first significant offensive against the Japanese. Little did they know that their fate was inexorably tied to a grand maritime clash brewing off the coast of Cape Esperance, a battle that would shape the course of the Pacific War. Admiral Norman Scott looked out over the expanse of the Pacific, a steady hand on the rail of the USS San Francisco, his flagship. His eyes held the calm confidence of a man entrusted with a heavy responsibility. He was at the helm of Task Force 64, a powerful assembly of American cruisers and destroyers. Scott's orders were explicit to intercept and disrupt the Tokyo Express, the nickname given to the Japanese naval operations aimed at delivering troops and supplies to their forces on Guadalcanal. Across the immense expanse of the ocean, his counterpart, Admiral Aritamo Gotu, embarked on a similar mission aboard the Japanese cruiser Aoba. A man known for his strategic acumen, Gotu had the heavy task of providing reinforcements and supplies to the beleaguered Japanese forces on Guadalcanal. Unbeknownst to Gotu, his path was on a collision course with Scott's Task Force 64, setting the stage for a monumental encounter. Meanwhile, the American Marines on Guadalcanal waited with bated breath, their hearts pounding against their ribs. For them, every minute was a struggle against fatigue, disease, and the lurking enemy. The successful disruption of the Tokyo Express was not just a strategic necessity but also a vital lifeline, a beacon of hope in the oppressive darkness of the jungle. The stage was set against the backdrop of the Iron Bottom Sound a stretch of sea so named for the significant number of warships that would come to rest on its seafloor. This dark expanse of water would soon bear witness to a fierce confrontation. As the sun set on October 11, 1942, the tension simmered just below the surface of the Pacific. The sea, usually a cradle of rhythmic calm, seemed to hold its breath, waiting for the fury of battle to break its surface. Two opposing forces, each led by determined commanders, their ships gliding like spectral apparitions under the cover of night, drew ever closer. They were on the precipice of a historic clash, a battle that would resonate across the world and etch itself into the chronicles of the Pacific War. The Battle of Cape Esperance was about to begin. Chapter 2 Clash in the Night As the sun disappeared over the horizon on October 11th, the sea adopted a tone of foreboding darkness. In this twilight world, the ships of Task Force 64 moved forward, like wraiths gliding on the surface of the water. Admiral Scott had ordered a strict radio silence, maintaining an air of spectral stealth that only served to heighten the tension among the crew. Below deck, the men went about their duties with an apprehensive quiet, their hearts echoing the rhythm of the ship's engine. Every tick of the clock brought them closer to the impending clash. Yet, on the surface, the sea was a study in calm, its usual dance of waves tempered by the weight of the moment. Meanwhile, aboard the USS Salt Lake City, Lieutenant Commander Bruce McCandless felt the burden of his responsibility. As Scott's operations officer, he had the crucial role of coordinating the movements of the task force. Every decision he made had a ripple effect, the potential to spell victory or defeat. The steady hum of the radar equipment, interspersed with whispered communications, was the soundtrack to his thoughts as he guided the American fleet through the darkness. In the same oceanic theater, 
Admiral Goto's fleet advanced under the cover of darkness. The Japanese ships, experienced in nocturnal operations, moved with a practiced ease. Yet, there was a certain restlessness that hung in the air, a sense of anticipation that each sailor felt but dared not voice. As both fleets drew closer, the Pacific, usually a symphony of waves and wind, was eerily quiet, holding its breath in anticipation. Only the low hum of engines and the occasional creak of metal interrupted the silence. The darkness was all-encompassing, a cloak that veiled the ghostly advance of warships. The stage was set, the actors ready, and the Pacific waited in anxious silence for the first shot of the Battle of Cape Esperance to rip through the quiet, igniting the darkness in a blaze of conflict. Midnight had long passed, and the darkness of October 12 enveloped the seascape. As both fleets edged closer, an invisible thread of tension pulled tighter. In the radar room of the USS San Francisco, Lieutenant Commander McCandless squinted at the blips on the screen, each one representing a vessel in the darkness. His keen mind, like a seasoned chess player, was moving ships in anticipation, calculating and recalculating their trajectories. Admiral Scott, stationed on the bridge, watched the blackened horizon. His senses were heightened, attuned to the faintest of sounds or the subtlest of movements. Even though he couldn't see them, he knew the enemy was out there. The ocean around him was like a dark canvas, waiting to be illuminated by the sudden flash of gunfire. Suddenly, blips appeared on the American radar screen. They were not ghosts anymore, the Japanese fleet had been detected. The information spread through the American fleet like an electric current, turning the anticipation into stark reality. The opposing forces were on a collision course, and the first act of the Battle of Cape Esperance was about to begin. Meanwhile, on the Aoba, Admiral Gotu was unaware of the lurking danger. The Japanese ships, confident in their nocturnal skills, continued to press forward. Their radar system, although capable, was not as advanced as the Americans. The first realization of the enemy's proximity came not from a radar screen but from the sudden, thunderous roars of American guns breaking the silence. Under the veil of night, the two fleets clashed. The tranquility of the Pacific was shattered as salvos of shells arced through the darkness, illuminating the sea with their explosive bursts. The Battle of Cape Esperance had begun in earnest, the fog of war descending upon the Pacific. Friend and foe became indistinguishable in the confusion, the darkness of the night and the smoke of battle interweaving into an impenetrable shroud. In the midst of this chaos, both Scott and Goethe made crucial decisions, some born of strategy, others of sheer desperation. The clash that unfolded was not just between warships, but also between two experienced naval commanders, each fighting their own battles amidst the deafening roars and blinding flashes of conflict. In the midst of this storm of iron and fire, two figures, miles apart yet bound by the same dance of destruction, guided their respective fleets. Admiral Norman Scott, aboard the USS San Francisco, and Admiral Aritamo Gotu, aboard the Japanese cruiser Aoba, both faced the crucible of leadership. For Scott, the battle was a test of nerves and instinct. His strategy was simple yet audacious, Crossed the T of the Japanese fleet, 
a naval tactic that involved aligning his ships perpendicularly to the enemy's line of advance. This formation would allow his guns a broad range of fire, while the enemy's return fire would be severely limited. As the gun flashes punctured the darkness, Scott maintained a steely composure, his voice steady as he issued orders. The roar of cannons was punctuated by his commands, their echoes spreading across the network of American ships. His crew, inspired by his calm in the face of chaos, carried out his orders with precision, matching their admiral's resolve with their own courage. Meanwhile, aboard the Aoba, Admiral Gotu found himself in an unforgiving situation. The sudden and ferocious American attack had caught him off guard, his ships now in the punishing line of fire. Despite the unexpected onslaught, Gotu maintained his composure. His orders, barked out amidst the cacophony of battle, reflected the desperation of a commander rallying his men in the face of adversity. The American shells found their mark, and Aoba shuddered under the impacts. The bridge, once Gotu's command center, was a scene of devastation. Gotu himself was critically injured, his command abruptly ending amidst the fury of battle. His last order, a command to withdraw, signaled the beginning of the end for the Japanese at Cape Esperance. As the echoes of the last shots died down, both fleets took stock of the chaotic confrontation. The Battle of Cape Esperance, a contest of not just military might but also leadership, had unfolded under the Shroud of Night, its outcome hinging on the crucial decisions made by two seasoned commanders. It was not just a clash of ships, but also a battle of command, etching an indelible chapter in the annals of naval warfare. Chapter 3 The Balance of Power As dawn broke on October 12th, the aftermath of the night's fierce confrontation came into sharp focus. The once calm surface of the Pacific was now scarred with the debris of war. It bore silent testimony to the fury that had raged hours earlier, the remnants of ships and the shattered silence the only indications of the battle that had unfolded. Admiral Scott surveyed the scene from the deck of the San Francisco. His face, illuminated by the faint light of dawn, was a mosaic of relief, exhaustion, and the weight of victory. Around him, his crew worked to assess the damage and tend to the wounded, the usual shipboard routine disrupted by the scars of battle. The tactical brilliance of Scott had paid off. His decision to cross the T had caught the Japanese off guard, giving the Americans a decisive advantage. This victory was not just a testament to Scott's leadership, but it also symbolized a turning point in the Pacific War. The disruption of the Tokyo Express had dealt a significant blow to Japanese operations in Guadalcanal, a ripple effect that would turn the tide in favor of the Allies. On the other side, the Japanese fleet was a shadow of its former self. With Admiral Gotu critically wounded and later succumbing to his injuries, the leadership vacuum had added to the chaos. The remaining ships retreated leaving behind a trail of smoke and destruction. The news of the American victory at Cape Esperance soon reached the weary Marines on Guadalcanal. Tired eyes sparkled with renewed hope, their spirits lifted by the news of the disruption of the Tokyo Express. The success at sea meant that their fight on land would become a little more bearable, their path to victory a little more certain. As the day progressed, the significance of the battle became more apparent. 
the Battle of Cape Esperance was not just a clash of fleets, but a turning point in the Pacific theater, a strategic victory that changed the tide of war. As history would later testify, this victory played a pivotal role in shifting the balance in favor of the Allies, setting the stage for subsequent successes in the Pacific. The victorious glow of the sunrise revealed a bittersweet reality. The American fleet, though triumphant, bore the scars of the brutal conflict. The decks, usually a bustling space of routine and discipline, were transformed into makeshift triage stations. The smell of gunpowder was replaced by the sharp sting of antiseptics, the sound of gunfire overtaken by hushed voices and the groans of wounded sailors. Admiral Scott, a man hardened by the crucibles of war, felt an unmistakable pang of sorrow. Each casualty was a stark reminder of the high price they had paid for this strategic victory. The USS Duncan, the brave destroyer that had been in the thick of the fight, was now a shattered hulk lost along with the brave souls aboard her. The heavy toll was not just limited to the Americans. The Japanese too had paid dearly. The Aoba, Admiral Gotu's flagship, was heavily damaged, its once imposing silhouette marred by the scars of battle. The loss of Gotu, a seasoned and respected commander, was a significant blow to the morale of the Japanese Navy. But amid the somber reflections, there was a newfound resolve. The victory, though costly, had imbued the American fleet and the Marines on Guadalcanal with a sense of purpose and determination. It was a clear message to the adversary, a testament to their capability and resolve. This victory came at a high price, but it was a price they were willing to pay for the ultimate triumph. The Battle of Cape Esperance, while a tactical victory, brought into stark focus the harsh realities of warfare. The heavy cost of victory was measured not just in damaged ships and strategic advantages, but in the lives of the brave men who had fought on that fateful night. Their sacrifice, a testament to the indomitable spirit of the human will, was etched in the annals of history, a poignant reminder of the true cost of war. The euphoria of victory was tempered by a deep sense of loss. While the American forces had managed to disrupt the Tokyo Express and gained a tactical upper hand, the price paid was substantial. As the sun set, painting the sky in hues of crimson and orange, Admiral Scott stood on the deck, his thoughts heavy with the weight of what had transpired. The victory, though significant, bore the hallmarks of a Pyrrhic victory. The term, originating from King Pyrrhus of Epirus whose victory against the Romans came at a devastating cost, aptly described the situation. The loss of the USS Duncan and the casualties across the fleet were a heavy price to pay. Each name that echoed over the radio, each casualty report that came in, was a stark reminder of the harsh realities of war. But within this somber atmosphere, there was a quiet determination. The sailors, officers, and marines took pride in their victory, but the cost etched in their memories. The faces of fallen comrades, the echo of their laughter, the shared memories, these were the unseen wounds, the emotional toll that weighed heavily on their hearts. In the Pacific theater, far away from the home they were fighting for, these brave individuals found solace in their shared experiences. The victory at Cape Esperance, while one at a considerable cost, bolstered their determination. 
they had faced one of the most formidable adversaries in the Pacific and emerged victorious. This hard-fought battle served as a testament to their resilience, becoming a symbol of their willingness to endure hardships for the greater good. In the grand narrative of World War II, the Battle of Cape Esperance, with all its triumphs and losses, was a significant chapter. It was a pyrrhic victory that underlined the harsh realities of warfare, but also illuminated the indomitable spirit of those who fought and those who fell. Each casualty, each damaged ship, was a poignant testament to the price of freedom, an enduring legacy that would resonate far beyond the waters of Cape Esperance. Chapter 4 The Ripples of Battle The echoes of the Battle of Cape Esperance resonated far beyond the immediate aftermath. Admiral Scott, staring at the maps spread across the table in his cabin, could see the strategic implications. The disruption of the Tokyo Express had delivered a blow to the Japanese, slowing their momentum in Guadalcanal. This was a critical advantage for the Americans. But the victory didn't come without its own set of complications. The loss of USS Duncan and the heavy damage to several other ships meant that the U.S. fleet was weakened. The resources required to repair and replenish the fleet were significant, the impact of the loss keenly felt across the Pacific theater. Scott knew that the Japanese were unlikely to remain passive. He anticipated retaliation, understanding that the enemy, though bruised, was far from being beaten. His thoughts were a mix of satisfaction at the strategic gain and concern over the tactical loss. Back in Washington, D.C., news of the victory and the cost that came with triggered a flurry of activity. The triumph at Cape Esperance bolstered the spirits of the war-weary nation, but the high casualty rates were a grim reminder of the harsh realities of the conflict. The leaders, while acknowledging the tactical losses, understood the importance of the strategic victory. It provided a much-needed edge in the ongoing struggle, a foothold that could be expanded upon. The Battle of Cape Esperance, while a turning point, was just a single engagement in the broader context of the war. Its strategic gain couldn't overshadow the tactical losses, serving as a reminder that the path to victory would be paved with sacrifice and determination. This balance of gain and loss underscored the complex nature of war, where victory and defeat were often intertwined, and success was measured not just in terms of territories gained but in the ability to endure and persist. In Tokyo, the news of the Battle of Cape Esperance was received with shock and dismay. The Imperial Japanese Navy, which had until then been the formidable force in the Pacific, had suffered a decisive blow. The loss of Admiral Gotu, the seasoned veteran and commander of the Aoba, was a significant setback. Emperor Hirohito, sitting in the ornate chambers of the Imperial Palace, received the news with a stoic face, but the concern was evident in his eyes. The setback at Cape Esperance was more than a military loss, it was a blow to the Japanese psyche, a wake-up call that underscored the strength of the American resolve. The Imperial General Headquarters went into overdrive, strategizing to respond to this unexpected setback. Admiral Yamamoto, the commander-in-chief of the Combined Fleet, known for his strategic acumen and forward-thinking approach, understood the implications. He recognized the urgency of reassessing their strategies, the necessity of adapting to the ever-evolving dynamics of the war.
the victory of the Americans had exposed vulnerabilities in the Japanese strategy and called for an urgent reevaluation. The Tokyo Express needed to be re-established, the confidence of the troops restored, and a befitting response to the American victory formulated. There was a newfound sense of urgency in the Japanese camp, a realization that the path to victory was not going to be as smooth as previously imagined. The Battle of Cape Esperance served as a wake-up call for the Japanese, a glaring spotlight on the inherent uncertainties of war and the need for adaptability and resilience in the face of adversity. The ripples of the Battle of Cape Esperance coursed across the vast expanse of the Pacific, touching distant shores and shaping the course of the broader conflict. In Australia, Prime Minister John Curtin, relieved at the American victory, saw a glimmer of hope. The Aussies, having borne the brunt of Japanese aggression, took heart from the successful defense by their American allies. In New Zealand, news of the victory was greeted with cheer. The Kiwis, part of the Allied forces and an active participant in the Pacific theater, saw in the American success a tangible sign of the turning tide against the Japanese. On the other side of the conflict, the repercussions were severe. In the Japanese-occupied territories, there were murmurs of the invincibility of the Japanese forces being challenged. A subtle shift in mood was detectable, a slight crack in the facade of the invincible Japanese Empire. In the United States, the strategic victory was a much-needed boost to morale. President Franklin Roosevelt, cognizant of the sacrifices made and the challenges ahead, rallied the nation. He lauded the brave soldiers and sailors, using the victory to fuel the home front's morale and the determination to see the war through. Yet, in the vast oceanic theater of the Pacific, the Battle of Cape Esperance was a stark reminder of the immense challenge ahead. The victory was a signal that the United States had the resolve and the ability to check Japanese advance. But it also underscored the intensity of the war in the Pacific, the sacrifices that had been made, and the ones that were yet to come. The repercussions of the battle were more than strategic and tactical, they were psychological marking a significant milestone in the narrative of the war, shaping perceptions, strategies, and destinies across the Pacific. Chapter 5. Cape Esperance in the Broader Context of World War II The Battle of Cape Esperance was more than just an isolated event in the vast theater of the Pacific War. It was a pivotal moment, a turning point that marked the beginning of a shift in momentum. Admiral Chester Nimitz, Commander-in-Chief of the U.S. Pacific Fleet, regarded the battle as a significant moment. From his headquarters in Pearl Harbor, he saw the victory at Cape Esperance as the starting point of a relentless counteroffensive. While he acknowledged the heavy price paid, he also saw the strategic value of the victory. In the subsequent months, American forces began to chip away at the edges of the Japanese-controlled territories. The Battle of Cape Esperance had shaken Japanese confidence and slowed their momentum, giving the Allied forces an opportunity to push back. The battle for Guadalcanal intensified, with the U.S. forces gradually gaining an upper hand. The victory also sent a powerful message to the Allied nations. The United States was not a sleeping giant that had been awakened, it was a formidable force that could stand its ground and deliver decisive blows. 
The Battle of Cape Esperance was a morale booster, injecting fresh vigor into the Allied forces. The victory was symbolic, a beacon of hope in the midst of a brutal and protracted war. The tide was turning in the Pacific. This single battle had marked a significant change in the narrative of the war. It was a testament to the bravery, resolve, and resilience of the American forces. And while the path ahead was fraught with challenges, the Battle of Cape Esperance was a shining example of what could be achieved when determination, courage, and strategic brilliance came together. The echoes of the Battle of Cape Esperance reverberated far beyond the Solomon Islands, reaching the global stage and having far-reaching implications. In Britain, Prime Minister Winston Churchill, engaged in the daunting struggle against Nazi Germany, viewed the American victory with renewed optimism. The Battle of Cape Esperance was a reminder that the tide of war was capable of turning, offering a glimmer of hope as Britain fought its own battles on European fronts. In Russia, leader Joseph Stalin, embroiled in the fierce battle on the Eastern Front against the Nazis, acknowledged the American achievement. The success at Cape Esperance offered a morale boost, reinforcing the belief in the common cause of the Allied forces. In China, writhing under the harsh Japanese occupation, the news brought a sense of hope. The Chinese leadership, under Chiang Kai-shek, saw the victory as a sign of the weakening Japanese grip, inspiring the resistance movement against the Japanese occupiers. Meanwhile, in Germany, the news of the American victory was received with trepidation. Adolf Hitler, aware of the strategic implications of an emboldened United States, viewed this development with concern. It was clear that the strength of the Allies was growing, challenging the Axis powers on multiple fronts. The Battle of Cape Esperance, thus, was not just a battle in the Pacific, but a significant event on the world stage. The battle lines drawn in the waters around the Solomon Islands extended to every corner of the globe, its outcome echoing in every battlefield, every decision-making hall, and every home tuned into the war news. The victory demonstrated the might and resolve of the U.S. forces, sending a clear signal that they were a formidable adversary, altering perceptions and strategies globally. In the United States, far from the Pacific battlefront, the Battle of Cape Esperance was more than just a distant military event. It was an integral part of the nation's collective consciousness, a rallying point that stirred the American spirit during those challenging times. In the White House, President Franklin Roosevelt, the architect of the American response to the global war, realized the significance of the victory. He used this triumph to rally the American public, to drive home the message that their sacrifices, in blood, sweat, and toil, were not in vain. In the shipyards of California and the factories of Detroit, news of the victory was greeted with renewed vigor. Workers on the home front, contributing to the war effort in their own way, felt a sense of pride and purpose. Their labor was not just supporting the war effort, it was winning battles. On Main Street, in homes across America, families huddled around their radios, hanging on every word as news of the victory was broadcast. Mothers, fathers, siblings, and friends of those serving in the Pacific felt a sense of relief, a glimmer of hope amid the constant worry for their loved ones. In schools, children were taught about the Battle of Cape Esperance as part of their history lessons.
It was not just a military victory, but a story of courage, resolve, and the indomitable American spirit. The battle became a symbol of American resilience, a testament to the nation's strength and determination. Even as the battle unfolded thousands of miles away, it resonated deeply at home. The Battle of Cape Esperance became a unifying moment, a point of national pride that strengthened the collective resolve of a nation at war. The war was not just being fought on far-off islands and distant shores, it was being lived, moment by moment, in the hearts and minds of every American. Chapter 6 The Legacy of Battle The Battle of Cape Esperance, though marked by strategic planning and tactical maneuvers, was ultimately about the bravery and sacrifice of the men who fought there. The legacy of the battle is, indeed, a tribute to these heroes. In the decades that followed, the memory of the Battle of Cape Esperance remained a poignant reminder of the cost of freedom. The names of men like Captain Norman Scott and Commander Akiyama Teruo became etched in the annals of history, their stories of courage and sacrifice passed down through generations. Monuments and memorials were erected in honor of the heroes of Cape Esperance. In America, at the National World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., the battle is commemorated, its significance acknowledged. In Japan, the memory of the fallen soldiers is preserved, their bravery and commitment respected. The sailors and marines who fought in the battle became symbols of national pride. Their stories were told and retold their exploits becoming part of the fabric of national history. They were ordinary men who demonstrated extraordinary courage in the face of adversity, their stories serving as a beacon for future generations. In homes across America and Japan, families cherished the memory of their loved ones who served in the battle. Their sacrifice, their courage, their determination, all became a part of the family heritage, a legacy of honor passed down through generations. The Battle of Cape Esperance was more than just a military engagement. It was a testament to the human spirit, to the courage, resilience, and determination of the men who fought there. Their stories continue to inspire, their memory revered, their sacrifice never forgotten. The legacy of the Battle of Cape Esperance lives on in the hearts and minds of those who remember the heroes and their indomitable spirit. The Battle of Cape Esperance wasn't just an isolated engagement in the Pacific, it was a critical learning moment in the broader context of World War II. The clash illuminated vital lessons about warfare, strategy, and human resilience, forever shaping military doctrine and thought. Military strategists around the world studied the battle to understand the nuances of night warfare. The initial American success, attributed to the element of surprise and innovative use of radar, highlighted the importance of technological advantage. Yet, the subsequent confusion underscored the need for clear communication and precise execution in the heat of battle. In the classrooms of the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis and the Japan Maritime Self-Defense Force Officer Candidate School, the Battle of Cape Esperance became a case study. Young cadets dissected the battle's tactics, deriving lessons about leadership, decision-making under pressure, and the value of adaptability in dynamic combat situations. The battle also offered powerful insights into the psychological aspects of warfare. 
It underlined the importance of morale and belief in the face of adversity. Captain Scott's unwavering resolve, Commander Akiyama's fierce determination, and the courageous spirit of all the men who fought and sacrificed, these became symbols of the fortitude needed in the face of war's terrifying realities. The world learned about the human capacity for courage, resilience, and sacrifice. The stories of ordinary men rising to extraordinary challenges resonated globally, reminding us of our shared humanity and the common values that bind us together, even in times of conflict. The lessons from Cape Esperance, distilled from the turbulent waters of the Solomon Sea, continue to echo through time. They guide military strategy, inspire future generations, and remind us of the indomitable spirit of those who fought there. Today, the waters off Cape Esperance are peaceful, the turbulent echoes of war having long since faded. Yet the legacy of the battle that was fought here remains embedded in the landscape, in the collective memory, and in the annals of history. Nowadays, Cape Esperance, with its rugged natural beauty and crystal-clear waters, has become a sought-after destination for diverse and history enthusiasts. They come to explore the underwater relics, remnants of the fierce naval engagement. The sunken remains of warships, encrusted with coral and teeming with marine life, serve as poignant underwater memorials, giving a surreal juxtaposition of peace and conflict, life and death. In the classrooms of schools around the globe, the Battle of Cape Esperance is taught as a crucial chapter of World War II. Students learn about the heroes of the battle, the strategic implications, and the lessons derived. They study the likes of Captain Norman Scott and Commander Akiyama Teruo, not merely as historical figures, but as embodiments of courage, leadership, and determination. On the international diplomatic stage, the Battle of Cape Esperance serves as a reminder of the horrors of war and the value of peace. Every year, representatives from the United States and Japan, former enemies turned close allies, gather at memorials to pay respects to the fallen and pledge their commitment to peace and understanding. The history of the Battle of Cape Esperance continues to shape the world in subtle ways. Its lessons guide military strategy and diplomacy its heroes inspire generations, and its memory reinforces the desire for peace. Though the echoes of gunfire have long since faded, the legacy of the Battle of Cape Esperance continues to ripple through time, a reminder of a past that shaped our present and continues to influence our future.